Women's Health Melbourne is an innovative, holistic fertility and women's health practice. We are world leaders in IVF and egg freezing and provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our hand-picked expert team provides the ultimate care experience for our patients. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and follow us at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr Rayleigh Alou. Welcome back to Knocked Up, the podcast about fertility and women's health. You are joined as always by me, Geordie Morrison, and Dr. Rayleigh Alou, CREI Fertility Specialist. Welcome back for 2023, Rayleigh. Thanks, Geordie. It's going to be a really exciting year. Such an exciting year. And today's topic that you've chosen is something I've never heard about, but it certainly implies a bit of excitement. Random start for egg freeze. Well, actually, it's something I do a lot of. It's something I do every day. And it's a really exciting phenomenon, I suppose, to think about timing fertility treatment around a person's life as opposed to being a captive to your menstrual cycle to start a treatment. That would be especially useful for people who don't have a regular cycle, I would think, too. Yes, it would. And also just people who work and have commitments and might be able to time their treatment according to when it might be best for them. To start off, do you want to quickly run us through what happens in a traditional egg freeze cycle? I suppose the most important background information is to consider that egg freezing is quite new in the IVF world compared to IVF conception. And IVF was designed really to help people overcome infertility. And in the original best practice of IVF, we used to always try and get someone pregnant in the month that we did an egg collection to create embryos from eggs. In that context, it's really important to tee up treatment to align with a woman's natural menstrual cycle, not so much because of the desired effects from an ovarian perspective, but to make sure that the uterus is in sync with the ovary so that we can attempt a pregnancy later in the same month. So around the world, when egg freezing became popular, in many contexts, it was the same clinics that provided services for egg freezing as provided IVF services. And so egg freezing cycles were kind of just slipped into the IVF mode of thinking, which is start with day one of your period. But one of the very first groups of people who benefited from egg freeze, even when it was still experimental, were patients who had a cancer diagnosis and for whom fertility preservation was an urgent phenomenon before treatments such as chemotherapy, which might compromise the ovary. So for years for women in that situation, we don't worry about waiting for a period, we just start treatment immediately. And physiologically, there's no problem doing that. It's just that the ovary isn't necessarily in sync with the lining of the uterus or endometrium. But because you're not making a baby, it doesn't really matter. That's right, because you're not making a baby or putting an embryo back in the womb, 
it doesn't matter if the synchronicity of implantation is out of rhythm with your ovarian needs. And so with egg freezing, it's absolutely possible and it's no compromise in terms of outcome to start a cycle on any given day of the menstrual cycle itself. If someone is freezing their eggs with you and for various reasons, random start is the way to go, what would be different about their treatment compared to the traditional way of doing things? In the traditional model of treatment, we give a series of hormonal treatments, often injections, and there's a sequence in which to do it in what we call a follicular phase or early menstrual cycle phase stimulation. What we tend to do in that type of cycle is we give follicle-stimulating hormone alone from the beginning of the cycle. And then, particularly if we're using what's called a GnRH antagonist regimen, which is just a fancy name for some really safe medications we use for egg freezing, we introduce the second medication whose job is to prevent ovulation in the second week of treatment. That continues together with follicle-stimulating hormone until the eggs look ripe and ready to go and collect them. And then we give a trigger medicine, which encourages eggs to complete the final phase of maturation so we can go and collect them as mature, sometimes termed M2 oocytes, which are capable of fertilization when exposed to a sperm. In a random start cycle, we can do various different things to achieve the same goals. In a GnRH antagonist regimen, we might often start the GnRH antagonist from the beginning. So we might keep it going from the beginning of the cycle together with the follicle-stimulating hormone throughout the treatment up until the trigger. In some ways, that's a little simpler in that you don't have to change tack. You keep going on the same regimen throughout the cycle. It can be marginally more expensive in the Australian context because there'll be a few extra doses of the antagonist medication compared to a follicular phase start. Another new type of cycle is sometimes termed the PPOS cycle, which uses oral progesterone instead of an injection to stop premature ovulation in an egg-free cycle. And that type of regimen can be used also in a random start regimen and in a follicular phase regimen where follicle-stimulating hormone is combined with high-dose oral progesterone to stop ovulation until we're ready to go and collect eggs, so right up until the point of, of triggering ovulation. And that regimen would be the same in a follicular phase cycle compared to a random start cycle. In the traditional way of doing things, it takes around two weeks from start to finish. How long does it take with a random start? Is it still two weeks? It is. So basically the premise of a random start is at any point in your fertile life, in your ovaries career, there are follicles, which are the structures that contain eggs at every stage of development. So there are follicles that are in their primary form, in their resting phase, there are antral follicles that are about to compete to join into a menstrual cycle. And there are some follicles sometimes that are at the pre-ovulatory phase, which is leading up to a natural 
ovulation. And in a natural cycle, the body has very clever mechanisms to help us choose one egg to ripen at a time because as a species, we have a modus operandum, if you like, of most of the time getting pregnant with one embryo and having one baby at a time. So we release one egg at a time. With egg freezing, regardless of whether it's follicular phase or random start, we mess with that natural recruitment pattern. And what we do is we give an excess of follicle stimulating hormone to rouse follicles into action to hopefully mature many follicles in parallel and hopefully be able to collect a whole heap of eggs. Now, no matter when we start that stimulation, it usually takes about two weeks to ripen an egg. And if you reflect on your natural menstrual cycle, different people have different cycle lengths, but for women with regular cycles, it takes on average about two weeks till you ovulate from when you have a period. That's how long it takes with follicle stimulating hormone stimulation to ripen one egg. So the time frame is the same. It's just about where you're at in your menstrual cycle when you start a stimulation. And can you start at any stage of your menstrual cycle? You can. One thing I often do if somebody is very close to ovulating, so they've got one big outlier follicle ahead of all the rest, is I'll often give them a first trigger before we get started, which is basically asking that follicle to ovulate its egg. And yes, we lose that egg from the cycle, but what we find is it's actually that follicle itself and all of the little hormones and vasoactive chemicals that it emits that actually tells other follicles not to grow. So starting with a big dominant follicle can sometimes suppress the growth of other follicles. So often what I'll do is if there's a ripe and ready follicle Uh, and a patient is mid-cycle, I'll fire off that follicle and then get started in a couple of days. But certainly you can schedule a random start cycle at any stage of a person's menstrual cycle and it basically might just need a little tweak. So in my practice, I have a personalised care model where my patients don't have a protocol that they're following. So if a patient wants to start a cycle, and we talked about maybe doing it as a follicular phase, but they want to do it as a random start. Maybe they're going to a wedding or maybe they have a holiday or maybe they have a a serious work commitment or a work trip that means that starting with their period is not going to suit their lifestyle. That's fine. We just pick a time where we project forward that their egg collection will likely be approximately two weeks from our start date. We do a blood test to check where they're at on the day they want to start. I use that information to make some minor tweaks to their regimen to make sure that it's appropriate for the phase that the patient is at when they start their cycle. And off we go. And the egg collection will be approximately two weeks after we start, plus or minus a few days. And that's the way it always is when you personalise care because unlike elective surgery where we lock in a date and that's the date we're going to do the surgery, with egg collection for egg freezing, We want to choose a date that's going to get you the most bang for your buck, that's going to get you the most mature eggs in your cycle. And what we do to determine that is ultrasound monitoring assessments during your cycle. So if I think that a couple of extra days stimulation might achieve a few extra eggs for a patient, then I'll push out the cycle a few days and 
schedule the egg collection a little bit further along. But on average, for most people, it will fall two weeks after starting a cycle. And are the outcomes the same? Absolutely. They are. They're exactly the same. So it sounds like it's much more flexible than it was when I did it five years ago and we were ruled by our cycles. This is quite a great innovation for our patients. Absolutely. And it's one of the great advantages of stepping away from working in a really big IVF centre in a very big unit where everything has to be done the same way because of the way that patients are organised and being able to be more flexible and being able to pivot, being able to personalise care to a greater degree. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about our practice at Women's Health Melbourne in 2023. Just on egg freeze, do you want to just run us through who's it good for? Egg freezing is something that can be considered by any person with ovaries who wants to save eggs for their future. And is there an age when you should do it? The youngest you are when you freeze your eggs, the better the eggs are that you put away and the most numerous the eggs are that you put away. I always say to patients, you know, the day I see you is the youngest you're ever going to be from this moment forward and you've got the most eggs you're ever going to have. So often making a judicious decision to be proactive about egg freezing means that the resource that you create is a better quality resource for your future self. It means your IVF outcomes will be commensurate to the age you are at the time you freeze your eggs. So if you freeze your eggs when you're 30, you're going to have the IVF outcomes of the average 30-year-old most likely compared to if you freeze your eggs when you're 35 or beyond, because IVF outcomes in that window do deteriorate significantly and women lose our potential to collect as many eggs as we could a few years ago in each cycle of treatment. So it's not that it's futile to freeze your eggs over 35. I definitely wouldn't say that. What I would say is no matter what age you are when you freeze your eggs, it's not an absolute guarantee of live birth. I discourage women from thinking about egg freezing is having a baby in the freezer. What you have is an opportunity to try for a baby with an extra resource of eggs of the age that you were when you froze them. So if you freeze a really good number of eggs and you're young, you're highly likely to be successful and more people are likely to be successful than are likely to be unsuccessful in making at least one child from their frozen eggs. And if you freeze 20 to 30 eggs at age 30, you have a 90% plus probability of having at least one child with those frozen eggs. If you cast the die forward to being 40, you get nowhere near as good a chance of having a baby, even if you have the same number of eggs in the freezer. And to have that commensurate chance, you have to freeze almost 100 eggs. And that's really unrealistic. So what I say to my patients is, if you want to freeze your eggs, just do it at the youngest age practical, and it will mean that the resource you create is of higher quality, you'll have more eggs compared to if you do it later, and you'll need to do fewer cycles in order to achieve your goals. And how long should people leave between cycles if they need to do more than one? That really comes down to the individual, but a good rule of thumb of egg freezing is the better you do, the worse you feel. The more eggs we achieve, the more side effects and hormonal you're going to feel from a treatment. 
And also the slightly more tender you'll be after an egg collection. So if you're somebody who has achieved a really good number of eggs uh, and you want to do another round just because you want to absolutely smash it out and have a really supercharged resource, I would have a month's break between treatments. However, if you're somebody who has a lower functioning ovary and can only get a lower number of eggs per cycle and you really need to commit to multiple cycles to get a good number of eggs in the freezer, then I would say that it is completely fine if you feel up to it to do a back-to-back stimulation cycle and get the job done. You will need, if you need multiple cycles, to have some months where you have a break because for some it's a marathon, not a sprint, to get enough eggs into the freezer. But I would say it's very much down to the individual and what I like to do is after every single cycle of egg freezing that any patient does, I have a review consultation with my patients And we have a debrief about how the cycle has gone, whether we feel that we've met the expectations that we set when we planned the cycle in the first place, how close to our goal we're at at this point in time and what we're going to do moving forward and taking also into consideration how a patient is feeling and how they experience the cycle and what their plans are for the coming months. And we make a plan based on the individual circumstances. If someone is younger I'm going to say under 30 and they are starting to think about freezing their eggs are they too young or what if you're under 30 and you're thinking about it what should you do I don't think there is an age where you're too young to freeze your eggs but what I would say to you is the younger you are when you're freezing your eggs the more fertile time you have ahead of you in your future and that means that you have lots of opportunities to consider fertility I think it's very rational and reasonable for a person to freeze eggs under 30 or even under 25 if they want to. But just know that I wouldn't necessarily, unless there was an extreme circumstance like premature ovarian insufficiency or family history or a genetic cause of early menopause or other genetic condition that might mean IVF was a definite in that person's future, I wouldn't necessarily encourage someone younger to do multiple cycles. I'd say let's do one cycle will create an absolutely great resource. If you're 25, 10 eggs will get you a 90% probability of one baby. So, you know, most women who do an egg freezing treatment when they're young only need to do one cycle and they'll have a terrific resource. So we tend to stop at a lower number of eggs. One downside to freezing eggs really young, apart from the fact that you may never need to use them because you'll have many future years opportunity to try naturally, is that storage fees are charged by IVF labs to keep the eggs in the freezer and they're just going to be charged every year and you might keep them for a decade. From a biological perspective, eggs don't go off. You can keep them as long as you want. You could keep them for 30 years if you wanted to and still use them to make a baby. In Victoria, where we practice, after 10 years of keeping eggs in the freezer, you'll be asked to do paperwork to keep them in the freezer for longer. You absolutely can, and the paperwork is really easy to do. I've never had a patient knock back. So it's just something you should know if you're going to freeze eggs when you're young that that will happen and you'll need to do that to keep them frozen for longer. But it's no stress or hassle and easily done. So just one of the bureaucratic elements of egg freezing currently in Victoria. We'll put some links to resources um, for people who want some more information. Obviously, this is a brief overview of egg freeze, more about random start. And we have many episodes about egg freeze on Knocked Up. But 
you know some other great resources for people who are considering freezing their eggs, where can they be found? I would encourage women who are thinking about freezing their eggs uh, to have a look at the Women's Health Melbourne website. There's also lots of literature now in the scientific community and what we're extremely excited about is that outcomes, reported outcomes in Victoria, in Australia and around the world from frozen eggs are every bit as good as IVF outcomes using same age eggs in fresh IVF cycles. So we've got now lots and lots of live births around the world, literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of babies born from frozen eggs. And it's really exciting. You can seek literature also from our University of Melbourne tool, which is called Eggsurance. We've done a bit of study on women's expectations and knowledge needs around the process of egg freezing. It's not linked to a IVF unit. It's not commercially funded. It's just real life information about what egg freezing can do and also what your other options are if you're thinking about having a family and you don't want to freeze your eggs. And we have previously had um, Shireen Sandu and Michelle Pete on a episode of Knocked Up talking about this decision aid for egg freezing that I was very proud to have been a part of. And we can put that link in the show notes. I'm also the lead author on the current Australasian guideline for Australia and New Zealand from the Ansrii Society on elective egg freezing. And we can put the links to that in the show notes also. Great. Thank you, Raylia. Oh, thanks, Jordi, and thanks for recording our first episode of Knocked Up for 2023. So as always, you can send through your requests via Instagram at Knocked Up Podcast and also to the email podcast at Women's Health Melbourne. Looking forward to seeing some requests from our listeners. To support Knocked Up, leave us a review or recommend to a friend. Join us on Instagram at Knocked Up Podcast and join Raylia at Dr. Raylia Lou. And email us your questions to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au.